Beninati. I'm the television play-by-play voice of the Washington Capitals, and you're listening to the Tomahawk Roundup. All right, so what is going on, guys? This is Frank Zorowski here with the Tomahawk Roundup, and I am joined by one of my broadcasting heroes, Joe Beninati of the Washington Capitals. Joe, how are you today? Frank, I'm doing well. I just haven't had enough work lately, so I'm getting I'm getting a little bit stir-crazy staring at these four walls. It's the funniest thing. All the time, we always say during a normal sporting event season, whether it be hockey, lacrosse, what have you, I never get enough time to spend at home. Uh, I've spent enough time at home. With you. <laughs> yeah. If we could get back to the game. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, it's a little stir-crazy, but you make the best of it. You have to. I mean, our, our options aren't uh, very many uh, with respect to where we are right now. I'm just hoping that... Uh, Sports in general, whether they be professional or, or amateur at the collegiate level, I hope we can get back to some normalcy, but we need to do it safely, first and foremost, and I, I hope that our leadership will bring us in that direction. I couldn't agree with you more, Joe. So, starting off, you called games during the World Cup of Hockey. How does that compare to the Stanley Cup playoffs, and what are some differences between the two for our listeners? Uh, I love best-on-best type of tournament competition, so... Uh, a long, long time ago, ESPN put me to work with the with a World Cup. I've done radio play by play for two different Olympic games. Uh, I was on the play by play call for Westwood One in Torino, Italy. Oh wow! Uh, I was. I also did that in Salt Lake City. So you know, best on best tournaments are, are phenomenal uh, for those of us who are in the business or, or sports fans in general, hockey fans in general. Frank, you. You see those great teams. I'll never forget uh, the, let's see, it would have been winter of 06 in Torino, watching Team Russia walk out of the dressing room and one by one by one by one by superstar after superstar. Yeah. You're like, how in the world is this team going to be beaten? Uh, I think it's just, it's great to see that. There's always that extra added energy and enthusiasm when it's an international competition. Please don't get me wrong. There are very few things that share the, the same excitement level as a Stanley Cup playoff tournament. But yeah. best on best in a World Cup or best on best in an Olympics is, is something I always want to see. Absolutely. I remember growing up watching Sidney Crosby's Golden Goal, and I really haven't seen anything like it since. So your point about the Olympics and the World Cup of Hockey just is so impactful. So take us through one of my favorite calls of all time, the Alex Ovechkin first NHL goal, welcome on board, and the energy that you put behind it. Highlight reel, and 
And it started on an opening night when there was so much enthusiasm in Washington for the for the return of the NHL season. The Capitals had been dreadful for the two or three seasons prior. Uh, there was, in some way, shape, or form, a, a fire sale of their best, best talents. Uh, they were at the depth of the league standings. They were lucky and fortunate enough to win a, 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 a draft lottery in the draft summer where Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Malkin were available. They made the right choice, in my mind, in taking Alex Ovechkin. No slight to Malkin, who's a brilliant, brilliant Hall of Fame-type talent and multi-time Stanley Cup winner. But Alex Ovechkin was something special. And on that night, uh, for him to pot two goals like that, and I guess it was less than a half hour really into his uh, NHL career to get him on board like that, I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget the way the, the crowds in Washington embraced him from the very first night and have continued to uh, to just treat him like a king here uh, ever since. Oh, absolutely. I remember like analyzing that call, and you have to give credit where credit is due to the player on the ice. Like you said, you're that accent piece. You're positioning the spotlight onto the athlete, and that's what it was in that case. So love the call, and I've modeled my game after that call. There are times when I, I speak with young announcers, such as yourself, and, and I'm greatly flattered when you say you modeled uh, some of your own description to mine. Uh, I won't lie to you that, you know, in, in my infancy in the broadcasting business, uh, I was learning from the likes of Marv Albert and Mike Emmerich and Gary Thorne, three pretty good hockey announcers. Yeah. And they've impacted and influenced the way that I do my job some 30 years later now. And I'm flattered that you, you consider me a role model, but I want you to be Frank. I don't want you to be Joe. I, I want you to take and beg and borrow from certain announcers, but I don't want you to, to hold the line and be just another so-and-so. You know, understand and listen to what makes some of these greats really, really good in your mind, in your estimation, and take some of those things and incorporate them. Don't just try to be the next Bob Costas or Dan Schulman or Al Michaels. No, be Frank and be the best Frank that you can be. Thank you so much. That means so much to me, and I will take that to heart. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit to another star player in Washington with TJ Oshie. What was the reaction like in D.C. after TJ Oshie was acquired, and how have you seen him grow since? One of the great things about our job is that you get to meet these players at a young age. You were talking about the, you know, at Alex Ovechkin, who I first met at 19, or Nicholas Baxter, who I met when he was 18, 19 years old. And those two superstars in Washington, I've, I've had the good fortune of watching them grow up from, from being teenagers, from being guys in their mid-20s, to being family men in their 30s. It's really cool to watch that, uh, that growth pattern. TJ came to Washington already as an established player and has only, I think, improved and built upon his reputation. He's always been thought of, Frank, as a world-class stick handler. You know what he can do when he's in shootout situations. We Absolutely. We what he did with Team USA in the Olympics against Russia. And I think a lot of people just focus upon that. But honestly, TJ plays the game maybe at 195 pounds, probably soaking wet. But he plays as if he's 250. 
He plays, you know, he, he might be six foot tall, but he plays and runs around like he's six foot eight. He just plays the game with so much abandon. Uh, fans instantly gravitate to the way he plays. His cooperation off the ice for me and for media members is fantastic. You can always approach TJ in his locker room stall and he'll give you an insightful answer to whatever question you present to him. Uh, I think the world of him. He's a great family man. He's funny. His talent level is extraordinary. And his teammates gravitate toward him. He's a natural-born leader. And you, you can just sense that when TJ's in the lineup and, and playing well, that his teammates are going to follow. That, that makes a great leader to me. And he's been just that and, all, and more for the Capitals, an extremely vital part of their success, not just this year, not just during the Stanley Cup year, but really ever since he walked into that training facility. Absolutely, and I saw what he did in St. Louis growing up watching the Blackhawks, so I can only imagine the impact that he's had since he walked into the training room in Washington, D.C. So I have to ask you about that Stanley Cup run. How were the Stanley Cup celebrations in Vegas after Game 5? <laughs> the celebrations in Vegas were all night long and then some. The celebrations went to a new level once the guys arrived in Washington. Uh, they ran the city streets with that Stanley Cup. They were... For the longest time, the Capitals' reputation had been playoff heartbreakers. Now, this was the team that was going to drive its fan base silly with what-ifs and almosts and horribly blown series leads. And all of a sudden, you know, I think since, well, I'd say 2015, this Capitals team in Washington was thought to be a serious contender. In 16 and 17, when they were runaway President's Trophy winners, there were lots of people who instantly said, that's the best team on the ice in the NHL, and it's not even close. And were it not for two heartbreaking losses, close losses to Pittsburgh, there may have been an earlier Stanley Cup than just the one in 2018, because obviously the Penguins beat the Caps in 16 and 17 and won Cups those very same years. So those could easily have gone Washington's way. You could have easily seen something similar to the dynasty of the Chicago Blackhawks or the past dynastic teams. Washington's been that good and coming off the cup win in 18. I don't want to sound greedy, but they could have, would have, should have been right there again in 19. Didn't close the door on Carolina to get out of the first round, but they've been treating their fans to exceptional hockey. And with respect to playoff celebrations and cup celebrations, they treated Washington, D.C. to an amazing party that lasted all summer long. Frank, I have countless stories about those celebrations lasting into the wee hours, but the thing that I liked the most was the way that the team not only celebrated together, you know, those guys, the expression is they'll walk together forever, but I, I love the way they celebrated it with the fans on the city streets, at Nats Park, uh, in the fountains, swimming around <laughs> the they, they were doing their very, very best to share all their success with the fan base, and I thought it was really special. Yeah, absolutely. I remember staying up, pulling an all-nighter, watching the celebrations, flipping it to NBC Sports Washington on the cable box, and it was just it was just a really special celebration that you just saw the whole city just come together after the years of, like you said, heartbreaks, what-ifs, could-have-been, should-have-been. The whole city just came together, and it's so beautiful to see something like that. 
You wouldn't have had that had Vegas won the Stanley Cup, right, Frank? Vegas nope. has nothing to... There's no past history there. No. I, I don't want to, to slight Vegas hockey fans. They've been fabulous. The atmosphere at T-Mobile Arena when you go into that rink, I don't care if it's a regular season game or a Stanley Cup final game, is super. But they don't have the past playoff disappointment history that so many other franchises around the league would have. They were an amazing story in their inaugural season. But for the Washington Capitals who came into uh, the NHL in the mid-70s, their fans had been treated to playoff torture for the most part. So for the team to finally get through and get over the hump and, and bring that cup back to Washington for a first time, you know, you always want there to be more, and you would hope, fingers crossed, in the Alex Ovechkin uh, career path that there would be another opportunity to raise that cup. But that first one is always going to be magnificent. It's going to be so sweet, and you never forget the first time. So shifting gears a little bit to you, you actually have a degree in biology, yet you are the premier voice of the Washington Capitals. Explain explain the journey that you went on from biology to the broadcast booth. You mean you, most sportscasters don't want to be orthopedic surgeons? <laughs> I mean, that, to me, that sounds like a natural progression. I always wanted to be... Um, a doctor, Frank. I, and there's part of me that still wants to every day try and help people in that sense. I was a good student in, in grade school. I was a really good student in high school. And I told my mom and dad when I was probably 13, 14 years old that my goal was to be involved uh, as a doctor. But I love sports so much, I thought it would be great to be involved in sports medicine and specifically sort of orthopedic surgery. Um, I went to Bowdoin College, a, a school at the time that was most known for really producing uh, doctors and lawyers. You know, they put a lot of good people into a lot of good med schools and law schools. So, yeah, sure, Joe, Joe dream big and go to Bowdoin, get the degree in biology, get into Harvard Med School, and the rest will be history. Uh, it didn't turn out that way, Frank, obviously. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, I was in high school at least, I was a, a hockey goalie and a lacrosse goalie, and I wanted to play both sports in school. Um, I thought Bowdoin was one of those places where I could do that. My freshman year in college, I hurt my back. I couldn't play hockey. Buddies of mine were DJs on the campus radio station. Hey, can you help us describe these hockey games? And I turned and I looked at them and said, you mean like call play-by-play of those games? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know what? When I was really young, maybe nine, ten years old, we played pick-up football, and the, 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 the guys would be, let, let's be the Bears and the 49ers. And yeah. I was a dumb-dumb who had all the names in his head. So I'd be calling the games while we were playing, and we'd do some street hockey. Let's be the Blues and the Blackhawks. And I had all the names, so we'd be running around, and I'd be calling the games. So there was part of that that was somewhere in my past history, like, you know what, this might work. And, and I did two or three games on the radio, and I don't know how, but... Um, a cable station in Brunswick, Maine got my phone number at the college and gives me a call out of the blue. Hey, we heard you on the radio. You're kind of good. I said, thank you. He goes, do you want to work on TV? I'm like, I- I'm not even 19 years old yet. He goes, no, 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 don't worry about that. Do you know about football and basketball? I said, yeah. He goes, we do lots of high school football and basketball, so you could do that and you could do the college hockey for us. And I said, are you offering me three sports on TV before I'm 19? He goes, yes. I said, you've got a deal. And all the while, Frank, there was no broadcast journalism or communications at Bowdoin at that time. Like I said, they were hardcore biology, biochemistry, organic chemistry. Yeah. All this. I still I get the shivers just thinking about all these courses that I was taking that were so <laughs> far over my head. And by my sophomore year, hello, Mom, Dad, 
I don't think I want to be a doctor. Oh, really? What do you want to do? I think I want to be a sports announcer. Click. I tried to hang up the phone as fast as possible, but it turned out okay. But all four years I stayed in and I got my degree in biology. All four years I was working in the sports information director's office. So I was helping that gentleman with stats and press releases and media guides. And the day I graduated, Bowden made me the SID. So I never had to look for work. Wow. I the following week. That's... And I just kept doing, I kept doing a lot of the TV broadcasting and radio broadcasting. Got my break in the American Hockey League two years later, so that would have been, what, like 1989, 90? I worked four or five years in the American League in Portland, Maine, and in Providence. And then I don't know where the time goes, Frank, but I, I came to D.C. as a 28-year-old in 1994, and now fast forward to today. Yeah, it's I just it's crazy how time flies, you know. You you don't think you're going to be a sports announcer. I was kind of in the same boat as you uh when I started broadcasting. I was actually considering going to law school and then I got a concussion wrestling and it really messed my brain up. And so my mom's like, "Why don't you try this school radio station?" And Ironically enough, I did a segment on the Vegas Golden Knights, um, the inaugural year, the first game, and the rest, like you said, is history. I just think it's interesting the way our paths, I don't know if we choose our paths or our paths choose us. Exactly. It turned out that, uh, you know, that that biology degree um, is, uh, let's just say, Let's just say uh, I went to a great, great school that makes doctors and lawyers, and, and it turned out all right that I was able to find a, a path in, in sports broadcasting. And when I when I speak with young announcers such as yourself, uh, I want to make sure that you guys and gals explore all parts of the business. Don't just pigeonhole yourself and say, you know, I want to be a play-by-play guy, or I want to be an anchor, or I, I want to be uh, an analyst. Learn learn the job from the director's side, from the producer's side, from the technical director's side. Learn about audio. Learn about copywriting. Be as good of a writer as you could possibly be. I, I was glad to hear that you were involved with your with your school paper. That that to me is so important. I think if we learn to write well, I think it helps us so much with regard to our public speaking abilities. But please don't, at your age especially, don't just sit there and go, I have to, have to, have to be the next lead sports anchor on ESPN. I have to be the guy who's leading sports center someday. No, you may it may not turn out that way. So explore it from all angles. And that's okay. You want to be Mr. Versatility. You want to be the jack of all trades because if there's a position opens up, you don't want to be the the specialist. You want to be Mr. Versatility. Correct. And don't specialize in just one sport. If you truly do want to be a play-by-play announcer, please learn how to do both hockey and baseball at both ends of the spectrum. If you can do hockey well with its tempo and its cadence and its pace, and you can do baseball with its slower, much slower tempo and cadence and pace, you can do everything in between. And that makes you that much more viable as a candidate to somebody who's who's trying to hire you. Yeah, that's that's incredible, and I'm going to focus more on baseball as well as the season starts back up with the new deal that was just struck with the 60-game season. Uh, looking forward to the return of hockey, what is the outlook for the Caps as the return to play starts, and they prepare to play to prepare to play either the Rangers or the Hurricanes? I know last season, you know, they had the difficulties with the Hurricanes. If it is the Hurricanes or even the Rangers, what's the mindset of the Capitals going into those series? 
impossible to try and cherry pick what the matchups are yet, considering what the possible play-in round looks like, considering what the buy round looks like with the teams that are are really round robbing for just uh, for just seeding capacity. I don't know who you're going to get, and I don't know if anybody were to tell you right now that they could cherry pick this or handicap this tournament. They're lying to you. There's no way to know how teams are going to come necessarily back from four months off. And I just keep my fingers crossed that we get to the training camp, phase three, that we get to phase four in the hub cities. And I'm hoping that we're going to learn the hub cities maybe as soon as this weekend. But all of this is done with fingers crossed and with prayers up because you don't know what's going to transpire between now and and the end of July, early August, when this plan is hopefully in place. And remember, too, that the players actually haven't even voted yet on the restrictions and the protocols of Phase 3 and 4. There's a lot to be done. I'm doing my very best, Frank, to be optimistic. I hope that our group at NBC Sports Washington has the chance to call a few of those buy-round games, has a chance to call games in the first round of the tournament before we turn it over to the to the national rights holders. I hope it's there. I want it to be there for all of us. Yeah. I think we, we need it from a mental health standpoint, and, and obviously it would help economically and with all of us with our with our incomes. But I just want us to get there safely, and I don't know how many more hurdles there are to clear. So there's no way for me to sit there and tell you, geez, how do you think the Caps would do against Carolina? I respect Carolina. I think they're an amazingly hardworking team. They're very, very well coached by Rod Brindamore. Their young talents are starting to blossom and only get better and better. Oh, by the way, during this four-month time off, Frank, a lot of teams have have improved health-wise. You know, teams that were thinking that they had lost players for, quote, season-ending injuries, those guys are back. You know, Jake Getzel is going to be back for Pittsburgh. A player like Dougie Hamilton will be back for Carolina. Who is to know how these teams are going to be able to, to leap from from zero, literally four months of zero, back into the tournament. And I don't know how to sit there and tell you that Boston, which in my mind was the best team in the league and the best team in the East, and would have, should have, could have won the President's Trophy outright, I don't know what they're going to look like after four months off. I would suspect that teams like Boston, Tampa, Philly, Washington, those are going to be the top teams uh, in the East. You would expect that St. Louis and Colorado and Vegas and Dallas would be there, but what's to say that Chicago couldn't catch fire? What's to say that uh, uh, Winnipeg and Connor Hellebuck, all of a sudden his goaltending excellence rises and, and the Jets are a nine seed that all of a sudden becomes a Stanley Cup finalist? There's no way to handicap this. I, I can't do it. I'm not dodging your question. No, not I at all. What, I just don't know what to expect. There are so many unknowns, and that's really that's a really valid point because, like you were saying, with Jake Gensel uh, coming off of that major injury, Dougie Hamilton with the fracture that he had, you just don't know. It's like March Madness for hockey. Correct, correct, and I do like the fact that the league listened to the players' association and didn't hold firm to the bracket. You know, they're going to reseed after each round, which I think uh, I think that gives a little bit more credence and more um, more substance to how you played in the regular season. Because most of the teams did get close to 70 games worth. You know, I, I thought for a team like Philadelphia, that team was 
no pun intended, flying at the end of the season. <laughs> they were going to go by Washington. They were going to go by Pittsburgh, I thought, to win the Metro. Uh, who does, who's to know what they're going to look like when they come back? I love their roster. I think their coach, I, I voted for their coach to be coach of the year in Alain I think he's done a wonderful job. Their defense is getting only better and better. All of a sudden, all the all you heard about how deep the flyer prospect pool was years ago, those guys are now here, performing really well. I think their veteran players are, are the ones who will lead them, obviously guys like Voracek and Giroux. But someone like Sean Couturier, nobody knows about, maybe the best two-way player in the league. And they, they, they have... To me, they have everything it takes with a young Carter Hart and goal to win the East. But I don't know how they're going to come back. And I don't know if there's going to be any injury setbacks you know, in that time. It's impossible to pick this out right now. Will the Rangers take out Carolina in the, in the uh, first round, in that play-in round? I mean, the Rangers beat Carolina four times in the regular season. Does any of that matter, Frank? I don't know. I have no idea. We just don't know. There are so many variables, uncontrolled variables. This isn't some science experiment. This is this is rolling the dice and seeing where things are going to lie. You would think best will rise, cream will rise, but I would not be surprised at all if there are significant upsets early in the tournament and maybe even one team that Cinderella's its way all the way to the final. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be fun to watch, but like you said, keep our fingers crossed that we get to Phase 3, get to Phase 4, and get to see some games called. Joe, before we head out, is there anything else you want to say for our listeners around the world, the U.S., Canada, and beyond? No, my friend, nothing to plug. I'm just looking forward to everybody getting back to some normalcy, and I, I pray that we can do all of these. You know, I, I think it was tremendous to see, the, the, uh, to see golf return. I think it was great eventually hopefully fingers crossed to see baseball return uh, i just i would like for the nba and the nhl to have that i would love for us to have college football in the nfl but who knows who knows all that matters to me right now is that we can deliver as much entertainment as possible as safely as possible you heard it from the man himself as much entertainment as possible as safely as possible joe beninati of the washington capitals joe thank you so much for the time frank my pleasure anytime